Thank you so much for joining us. This is Harriet Cameron with Down to Earth. So it's not as if anybody was, uh, you know, coming at her or people. No, she put herself in the spotlight to call out people, mature leaders, to say, uh, you know, you're, you're immature. And the optics didn't look good when they were coming back at her. Perception is everything in politics and in marketing and in life. But at the same time, folks, at the same time, say at the same time, at the same time, we need to be able to have plausible solutions. Yes, the glaciers are melting, but how long did it take to melt? It's been a few hundred years, right? So now that the glaciers are melting, so that means the oceans are rising because the oceans, whether we like it or not, it's inconceivable to us to think, but the oceans are a basin of water. They're just really big basins of water, right? That's all. It's a cavity where the water is. We just can't see it, right? It's just like here in the Great Lakes. We have lakes. When I first moved to Michigan in 2003, the thing they were talking about at that time was that the water, the, the lake levels had, had been decreasing through drought and, and dry, arid conditions and so on. Well, over time, well, now we have a situation where the lake levels have risen beyond comfortable levels because of climate change. Is that why? No, because we just had more snow. And if we have snow as we did in the last two seasons, rest assured by spring, we're going to have those lake levels are going to come over even more than they did. This last time, I hope it doesn't rain during October. I sincerely hope it doesn't because there would be some flooding, right? For the first time, we're becoming conscious that, okay. And we have a lot of folks who live on the lakes. You know, here in Michigan, it's part of the lifestyle to have a lakefront property, to be on the water. So the lake levels are rising as a result of more snow, you know, emanating from more precipitation in the atmosphere, blah, blah, blah that creates, that makes it freeze when it falls and it becomes snow. When it's warm, it becomes rain. We get that. But I am not, I'm Raven and Gavinson, I'm, frankly, guys, I'm not of the opinion that we need to just pull civilization to a stop just so some people can say, hey, have a win. We probably need to, inv to, to, in, to, you know, to invest in, in more ways of moving large groups of people around. Probably in urban areas, we need to move people into, you know, use mass transit more. So like in Atlanta, every, everybody's been to Atlanta, right? In Atlanta, on the outskirts of Atlanta, to get into the city is a nightmare. So they have eight-lane freeways <laughs> in both directions, right? And so to move people around, some corporations have buses that pick up their people in certain areas. So... If they find that they have 50 people living in one area, they send a bus that everyone contributes to, and you get on the bus, you park your car, you get on the bus and you drive instead of 50 people on the freeway and can't get to work no matter what time you leave because the traffic is so bad. In those kinds of scenarios, I think we need to employ more solutions that are applicable and that work, right? And people are obviously going to get on the bus because it's convenient for them. They might not be the parent who has to go to daycare to pick up a child or check on an aging parent, depending on their schedule. 
and what activities they have, right? So I think we probably need to look at other ways. Maybe uh, having buses is not the answer. Maybe we need to have more trains. Maybe we need to have, is it time yet to have flying cars? So we're going to have to build somewhere for the cars to fly. I don't know about you, but I'm not taking off in any flying car in the foreseeable future, right? When I was back, at, you know, when I was when I was growing up, I thought that I would be alive to see flying cars <laughs> because we grew up in the Star Trek generation where everything was just sciencey. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do today, Bluetooth and handheld cell phone devices and speaking through screens, you know, we can face them, Skype and so on. It looked like something that only could be done in Star Trek. So it looked like, man, is that ever going to happen? It was an inconceivable notion that it would become widespread and mainstream. But here we are today, right? In fact, Miss Thunberg is a beneficiary. I'm pretty sure she has a phone that has something called Wi-Fi, that she can connect to Wi-Fi so she can communicate with her parents while she's visiting New York City. So I, I think the folks who are managing her need to do a better job of managing her. They should have managed that speech a little bit better. Telling grown world leaders that they're not mature is not a good representation of the Swedish culture, right? That's just not how it works. And, and, and to be honest with you, if it were any other child, they would have been deemed inappropriate and uncouth and uncultured. But instead, we're slapping people on the wrist because they're espousing an idea that you sold them and convinced them that that was workable without having done some anticipation. You, you, I have found that it's so very easy for anybody to talk. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Just keep talking. But until you have experienced it, that's a whole other thing. And I think that's what's happening now. She she hasn't had the benefit of life experience. That that was my issue with her speech. You're you're. I was listening to someone and being forced to listen to someone who hasn't had the benefit of living long enough to understand the implications of her actions. Based on what she was saying in her speech, I'm like, are you nuts or are you nuts? Really? Tell me again. You you have to have the experience to see that a lot of what you are a lot of what exists today is as a result, is at the expense of something else because it was necessary to have this it was very necessary for for us to be able to heat every home in the country not just some homes but every home because it prevents disease and it makes your people more profitable more comfortable to go to work it was necessary to have heat in public spaces in buildings and so on. It's good for private enterprise that drives the economy, right? But it's also good for the government because there are people who work for the government who then come out and they spend their money when they get paid to on goods and services, right? So we saw where the all-around effect was positive on humanity. It, it was necessary to have refrigeration widespread because not just so that we could all have refrigerators in our homes, Having refrigerators in our homes means that we don't have to eat meat. That's all for drink milk. That's two days old sitting out on the counter in the heat that has incurred bacteria. Do you see what I'm saying? So it, it makes life better because now you don't have to go to the store every day to buy your daily bread. 
you can actually buy your daily bread and store it for seven days or however long you want to store it for most, you know, you buy stuff, put it in the fridge until God comes or whatever, right? And so when you look at these things and you look at all of this and you put it together, you begin to realize that climate change is not only a conversation that we're all having, but the conversation around it is interesting, but it changes. Because if you think about it, we're all looking at it from the perspective like, oh my God, the world is going to end because if the seas rise, certainly everything is going to come to a full stop. I don't know that the seas are going to rise tomorrow. Maybe 30 years from now, by then, we would have had a chance to move people away from those coastal cities and bring them closer in. Is there anything wrong with that? Because if it poses a danger to human life, then obviously we're going to have to answer that. That's a concern. But is that the only concern of humanity? Are we wondering about people who live in a country called Dakar where human waste and excrement goes into the water and people still drink water from that where their water filtration plants don't work and it needs energy to make it work? Do you see why I say some of these folks, they're just standing there and saying stuff without the implications of what they're saying? So you're saying we shouldn't have progress, that people should still pee and poo, and the water runs down into the place where they're going to go down there and get the water to drink from. So we shouldn't have water filtration plants that are powered by energy to filter the water so that they can drink it, just like we do here in the United States and other countries. Where I grew up, that was the same thing, right? They had water filtration plants. They had water systems, right? So you know, the water was recycled. It took me a long time to understand that the water I'm drinking, somebody peed and pooed in it, but it's been treated. So you look at, there's also something called slash and burn agriculture. Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, for years, the United Nations has been trying to educate countries on this slash and burn agriculture. It's the cause of soil erosion in a lot of places, right? Those are things that are practical that we need to focus on. The eradication of disease is something we need to focus on. How can we bring these minds to, to, to be able to do more research on eliminating diseases that are common in places where there is not enough drinking water, where the air is not clean. I, I, I want to ask the expense, at the expense of civilization, we all exist. There are some social determinants that contribute to our health. Yes, such as if you live in an urban area and you live in urban spaces, you are most likely to be inhaling fumes, toxic fumes from the emissions of motor vehicles. Do you know what can do that? There is There are laws that you can enact that can do that. Where I lived in Florida, you get a ticket for driving if exhaust was coming out of your car. Here in, in Michigan, because the big three control the economy and control politicians, you don't have those laws. So people drive around with their car smelling like, oh my gosh, the emissions coming out of it is unbelievable. That's something that policy could change because the automakers can make better cars that emit less gas. Say amen. That is what they can do. That is minuscule. So the focus ought to be on what corporate entities can do. 
and corporate entities do need legislation, but at what expense? It has to be broad-based. It has to have minimal impact on human beings. And if it is going to stymie your growth or prevent us from advancing further, then we perhaps need to examine that just a little bit more, right? Right, that's how I see it. That's how I see it. I think climate change is a conversation that is going to continue for a while. But I don't believe that we should exclude anyone, no. But I also believe that the dialogue has to be respected on both sides. I think Greta needs to go back home and the folks who are coaching her, I think people need to coach her into saying this is a way to deliver it that is not offensive because you don't have the experience. That's the thing. You don't have the experience to necessarily tell other people. Tell them maybe you're not looking at it from the right angle. Maybe that you're not looking at it from the angle that we want you to look at, look at it from. Maybe you're only looking at it from the interests of corporate citizens who are more interested in making money at everybody else's expense because they don't have to reap the rewards of what they have done. They don't have to live. The people who own the coal manufacturing company, he doesn't live anywhere near there, neither does his family. But because there's no legislation governing how he conducts that, then the people around him are the ones who, who suffer. There's, uh, there are chemicals in the water in some parts of the country. In Virginia, Virginia is ripe for that, especially West Virginia, where chemicals in the water contribute to a whole spate of cancers in people. We need to address that with policy and accountability. Maybe that's what they need to pick up and address, as opposed to sending a 16-year-old with, with ponytails to the UN to tell the rest of us how immature we are. It's all our problem at the end of the day. Climate change is all our problem and it's all ours to find a solution to fix it, right? That's my take on it. So go to my website, harrietcamock.com. My books are available on the web. They're available from amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com through the fire, musings of the spirit and so on. Make sure you join me on my other podcast stations, subscribe to them, and listen to our shows so that we know what you're listening to so we can determine what subjects that are, it's interesting. The feedback, the feedback is great, right? And make sure you go to the exodusfoundation.com, make a donation to what we're doing, helping victims of human trafficking. We're trying to do, we're trying to help. We're trying, we're really trying, right? Thanks so much, everybody. See you tomorrow. Gavin. And Miss Raven, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. It was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. It was certainly my pleasure to be here on this Wednesday morning. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed.